Hey everybody, how you doing? Another episode of Bring the Smoke. I'm Dr. Maxwell and I'm over here with Dr. Chris Bowen. Man, he done written about 2,000 books, man. <laughs> but anyway, I, I have him on because he's just, a, a, he's one of my, he is pretty much my consultant. It helps me, you know, get things together. If I need to fire people, I bring him in and get rid of people. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, tell, tell them about yourself. Well, um, I'm a consultant, I'm a mentor, I'm a coach, and a lot of things that I do is just really help companies and businesses and individuals to really move toward the destiny of their life. So anything that moves somebody or their company into their destiny, I really just walk alongside them or the company to do that. Look, what it was crazy. So I'm sitting here the way I met him. I'm sitting talking to him, right? And I'm like, man, you know, I just got back from the Ritz Carlton. You know, I was over there. I love the Ritz Carlton. That's my favorite hotel, which it is. Ritz, you want you throw me a check? You can. But I'm saying, I was like, this is my favorite hotel, man. The customer service, my pleasure. I said, it almost seemed like Chick fil A. But I believe Chick fil A got it from the Ritz Carlton. I was just talking to him, man. You know, and I really don't talk to people. If y'all know me, I'm an introvert. So it ain't like I just go out and just have these wonderful conversations. You understand? And so, anyway, he, 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 he like, more money, more money, more money. Remember that from uh, In Living Color? Bam, now he didn't do all that, but he, he gave me this, <laughs> he gave me, he gave me the book, Five Star Service. And he based his book off the service of the Ritz Carlton and helped us get our church more in line. Of course, you always improve, but I mean, just tell them about that book, man. I mean, you read so many, but you have to tell them about that Five Star Service. Yeah, it's called Beyond Five Star Quality, and it really just walks you through the process of customer service, uh, how many personal touches it takes. It takes seven touches for somebody to want to come back to your company, your business, or your church. Uh, it really talks about the importance of making people feel valued. What makes them feel valued? Because if somebody feels valued, they'll come back to your establishment. But if they don't feel valued, they've already determined when they walk in if they're coming back or not by the way that they've been made to feel. And so we have to understand, like the Ritz-Carlton, you've been talking about that, uh, why does people pay five times the price over the day's in? Well, they both have beds, they both have showers, they both have soap, they both have water. So what's the difference? The difference is Ritz-Carlton has really made a plan to show people that they are valued with them. And so they go the extra mile. They give those seven touches. They go out of their way to be able to service people. And because of that, um, it, they, people, you know, businesses can become successful today. So we have to say, what are people seeing when they pull into our parking lot? the building, the people, and they're all going to be able to determine then whether or not they're coming into your business, your establishment, or your church. Wow, that's that's amazing. And it's amazing, like you say, the the, the way the risk cars make you feel. I mean, I was riding bikes, tired, and then what do you bring? Right. Water bottle as a gift. Yeah, yeah. in the room. I know you're tired. It was <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like, they, they know what to do, and it's just that extra mile, like yep. you're saying, and churches need to learn how to do that. It's like, you're in for customer service, and people say, oh, why we got to do all that? They come up for God, but some of them just barely come in for God. Right. Some of them are here because they tried everything else, and now here they come to church, and then you see somebody rude. Because you can go to a restaurant, and you have one waiter. I have another waiter. Yeah. I say, man, I hate this place. It's terrible. Man, that place was great. Yeah. It wasn't the restaurant. It was the people we encountered. Right. So you have to get your people up to a standard where they understand that we're supposed to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, right. lending not the borrow. But if you're not giving five-star quality, you're definitely not the head, you're yeah. the tail. You understand? Yeah, you think whenever you go into a restaurant, if you go into a five-star restaurant and you get three-star quality, chances are you won't go back. But if you go in a three-star restaurant and you get five-star quality, 
that's going to resonate with you and you're going to go back to that restaurant. Same way with our establishment today. We have to make sure they're getting that value. The Ritz-Carlton has seven points of, of contact. When you get out of the car, the people removing your baggage from your car, the front door man, the concierge, the front desk, the uh, television screen, and the chef. All those are intentional with the Ritz-Carlton within the first 10 minutes that you're in their establishment. You don't even recognize what they're doing, but by the time that you get checked in and you're in your room, you feel so valued that you've already determined you'll come back. And I believe they make sure they say, look, you can't come to work and have a bad day. You right. better be good. Find another job. Right. Say my pleasure. Not you welcome. Right. <laughs> or not no problem. Man, every everything is yep. just so on point. And that's where we have to go when it comes to the church. Right. But man, just just move right along because you were a consultant. You were a pastor. I heard you telling my executive pastor when we mm. was in Richmond, you said you need to have seven streams of income. Yeah. When we started, I was counting. I said, yeah, I know I got seven streams. When I was young, I thought you just needed three streams. Yeah. But why do you need seven streams of income? I see you got seven points of contact. Now you got yeah. seven streams. Yeah. What, what are seven streams? The so seven streams make you actually a millionaire. And it doesn't have to be large streams, but you do have to have streams coming from everywhere. And a lot of people feel like I can't do seven jobs. And that's beyond the principle. You can't have seven jobs. Uh, you may have one job, but then you have other streams coming in. Um, so it may be book sales. It may be, you know, uh, I have a roofing company that all I do is make two phone calls, but it's a stream of income. I flip houses. Somebody else does the work. Uh, I just simply go in and make the purchase. And so you have to have things that work for you while you sleep. But you need seven streams of income, some way that money is coming in uh, to your pocket. And again, I think the part that people miss have the misconception of the most is that we have to work seven jobs. You cannot physically work seven jobs. It's having your money work for you rather than you work for your money. So the best scenario is for you to not work at all, just oversee those seven projects that money and those streams are coming in so that you can have your freedom. But a lot of people can't get beyond the concept of working. And of course, we know that we're working behind the scenes, but it doesn't have to be a Monday through Friday, nine to five job. And the problem is people can't get past working because right. they don't realize you have two hands to show you limited. Yep. Jesus even said, when he leave, I can't be there everywhere. So right. he said, you know what? I'm going to leave you the paraclete. I'm going to leave you the comforter. I'm going to leave you the, the helper. I'm going to leave you um, um, the, the Holy Spirit. Right. He'll help you do all things yep. to me. And so even Jesus understood, I can't do everything. And mm -hmm. the problem is with us, we, don't, we never get the concept of making disciples. Right. When you start making disciples and duplicating yourself and, make, and making working yourself out of a job, then yep. you can give them that job and you can oversee that job. But yep. a lot of people want to touch everything they micromanage yeah. and they don't begin to improve their leadership. This is the thing, you know, McDonald's, well, it, start, it was started by the McDonald brothers, but then Ray Kroc kind of finagled his way and took it over <laughs> yes, and took it to a whole nother level because he understood business. Right. And what he did was he began to go and train everybody and duplicate them. Yep. But you have to have it where you have some type of control. Right. But do you know, I don't care how much real estate you do. I don't care. Trump anybody. The, the company that has the most land in the world is a McDonald's. Mm. McDonald's. They own the land. Yeah. They don't take the building. You own the building, but they own the land. So right. you, that's how they keep you under control. So if you ain't dropping the fries, if you got a McDowell yeah. instead of a McDonald's, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not dropping the fries the way they say drop the fries or yeah. the shake not like they say make the shake, they will foreclose on the land under you and take the building back from you because yeah. they keep that control. Right. But what they do is they don't go micromanage things, but they do have a, 
a, a, a way to make sure that they can hold you accountable. If they were to drop in a general manager or some type of executive come by and you're not right. doing the standard in which they want it to be yeah. done. Yeah. It's all in a mindset. And I think we have to really understand that we, if we don't change our mindset, we'll never be able to be financially free. Uh, if it's one income or seven incomes. Um, I've heard it said, and I believe this, that if everyone was uh, taking everything away from them today, every car, every house, and the government gave everyone $50,000, everyone across the board, 50000 to start over again. In six months, I really believe the rich would be rich again and the poor would be poor again, simply because it's about taking care of what we have and it's a mindset change. If you can't take care of $1,000, you'll never be able to take care of $100,000 or a million dollars. So it all starts in the mindset, making sure we're programming our mind for wealth. And I believe that that's biblical in, in scripture. I don't believe in the name and claim, blab and grab. I think it's work. But I do believe in prosperity. He says, I want you to be in good health and to prosper as your soul prospers. So as we can obtain wealth, I think that we need to understand why we obtain wealth. And that's, of course, to fund kingdom. And God wants us to be able to to fund kingdom. So it's amazing. So I, I make good money with my rental properties, flipping properties. I'm a real estate broker. I have a nonprofit. Um, you know, preached, wrote a book. So that's out there around the world. You know, the leadership, um, leadership, the power and the pain, leadership growth, the power and the pain, um, you know, comedy workshops. So I have the different streams of income right. um, that you're talking about as, as, as well. But it is a discipline, too, mm -hmm. because I man, I'm, I'm making this money. So, you know, my car, my, my, my Land Rover is is is. You know, it's about to go to heaven in a minute, I think. No, it's, it's, it's good. I just, it, it ain't like it's a, you know, Lexus, Toyota, they last forever. But the Land Rover and the Range Rover, I just like the way they look. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I went and I drove. I know black people, you say Maybach, but it's not Maybach. It's Mabach. All right. So I drove the Mabach Benz, but for my Negro friends, Maybach. So you can understand. <laughs> I drove it. And then look, then I asked the dude, uh -huh. hey, man, I'm going to get out. You drive me. Cause uh -huh. I really want Cause it's a man, you know, you can let your legs out. It's a, it's right. a man. I'm right. talking about you can do your computer. It has a big screen. I mean, you can flip and watch a movie back right. there. So I said, cause sometimes I'm not gonna want to drive, but I want to be in something comfortable where I can just chill. Mm -hmm. You know. So I said, okay, I'm gonna buy this. And I looked at the price. Oh, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. And then I started counting. Hold on. If I do this, that's about two more houses with my debt ratio. I yeah. can't get it. <laughs> I don't want this right now. I gotta let me go ahead and make this X amount of dollars this year, then let it feel like I'm buying, like I feel now if I was to buy another Land Rover or yep. Range Rover. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to stretch myself yep. beyond what I can buy other houses, even though I buy with cash anyway, right. but just in case I need to get a loan. Right. Cause a lot of times I buy the hundred thousand, $150,000 house, I do it with cash. Mm -hmm. But when I get something like 250, 280, I don't care if I got the money in the bank, I'm not tying up that much cash. Right. And so I get a loan, and I finance it and leverage the money, you know, of the bank. Right. And I was like, man, if I get this, how much this cost some money? Man, forget it. I know the selling probably was hurt because I'm, I'm talking about he just knew I was going to yeah. get it. Yeah. Then I, I said, let me, because I always say, let me just walk away and see how I feel. And I was like, no, I can't get it. Why? Because you got to sacrifice. Yep. Now you got to be like the ant. You can't be the grasshopper. Yep. Yep. You got to save and store up and put yourself in a financial position where when you do buy something that you want, it doesn't put you in a situation where you strain and right. to, to, to maintain it. In financial freedom, that lucky number is seven because the average millionaire actually drives a car for seven years. 
you will notice that poor people will continue buying cars over and over. And we know at least up until this market, buying a car loses value. We're seeing a different market right now. But for seven years, typically you drive a car. That's what a millionaire does. I got nine years. That's too you, long. Yeah, you. Well, you got your money's worth. You got a really good deal. You get an extra two years out of it. So, uh, so you can give that car away, and you got your money's worth out of it. But the average millionaire actually drives a car seven years. And so we're always looking at, oh, well, we we want to look wealthy. We want to look like we obtain people that have money don't need to impress anybody. It's people who don't have money that's trying to impress people. You know, if you got that Gucci purse, but there's nothing in the purse, why? Reverend, hey, look, <laughs> why do you have exactly. the purse if you don't have anything in it? But the Bible says in Proverbs, the rich pretend to be poor and the poor pretend to be rich. Yes, yep. You know? The longer you pretend to be poor, the richer you will be. Right. You understand? So it's like, stop. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. And then I was, I, I don't know, man. Why do Christian people mm -hmm. feel as though they're supposed to be broke. I know he said, if you don't suffer with me, you won't reign with me. But he said, you got to suffer for the rest of your life. He said, I came to give you life yeah. and to give it to you more abundant. Like you said, he said, I wish above all things that thou be as prosperous and in good health. Why do so many Christian people think that they are supposed to be broke? Yeah. I think we've gone from one side of the spectrum to the other now. I think that back in our day, if you had money that they felt like you were sending, that we were supposed to be broke. Now I feel like the church has gone the other way that we have to have all these nice things to pretend that we're rich when we're struggling financially. And so I think that there needs to be a balance in between those two. I don't think that we're supposed to be in poverty, but neither do I think that we have to have an abundance of all these things and we're not supporting kingdom. I think that that's the key. It's nothing wrong with having all these things as long as we're funding kingdom because that's our purpose here. Those are the treasures we're laying up in heaven. So if we're not doing that, but yet we're driving the Rolls Royce and the, the Bentley and uh, the Mercedes or whatever we're driving, but we're not funding kingdom, is that really wealth? And my answer to that is no. But if you're driving those things, nothing wrong with that whatsoever, as long as you're helping to fund kingdom along the way. That's real wealth. Uh, whenever we're just about us and trying to make an impression, but we just really can't afford it, I think that's where the line should be drawn. Again, back in the day, if you had money, you were a sinner, you had to be poor. And that's just so unbiblical, but also having that extravagant so much that where we're flaunting it but can't afford it is another. We're seeing more Christians today lose cars, lose houses than ever before because they, by faith, buy something. And I just don't think that's God's will. I think he wants us to lay up for ourselves treasures here. And the Bible says a fool spends all that he makes. If you don't have a savings account, I think it's unscriptural because there's going to be a rainy day. And we know that day is going to come for all of us. There's a day the washing machine is going to break down. The car is going to break down. The house needs to be painted. And we struggle keeping things up. So I always tell people, I will pray for you in a new car after I go look at your old one. If your old one is dirty, you don't keep it up, you don't maintain it, then why would God bless you with another one? I think that we are stewards over whatever God gives us. Wow. That is, that is, that's it. Because we don't, we don't own anything. Right. Everything belongs to God. And so when he tells you, to give to this person or give to that person and it's actually him, you have to be obedient. Right. I believe a lot of my wealth flows because I'm obedient to who he say give it to. Even right. though, now what I need to get better at is don't whine about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, why? I gotta give it this. I'm irritated. And, and I do it, but I do it talking. You know, Philippians <laughs> say do all things without complaining. So if I can just shut my mouth, I know I'd be more blessed than I am now. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yes.
we got to take our blessing away whenever we complain about yes. because no, you can't outgive God. It's amazing. I, I've tried it so many times, and every time you give, God doesn't bless us because we give. But I think He loves for us to give, and He wants us to see um, the 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 blessing in giving. There's such a blessing to give when we give. We we don't do it to get back, but it always comes back thirty, sixty, ninety, a hundredfold. And even in the book of Deuteronomy, it says a thousand times when we give it in the right attitude and the right spirit. The more that we give, the the bigger the conduit. I believe that some people in the church have a quarter inch pipe that God's trying to get something through, and other people have an eight foot tube that's wide because they're they're just a conduit from heaven to earth. And the more you give, the more you receive. It just happens. He wants to see how much. Um, our level is of of receiving and how much we give. Man, I tell everybody know this story. When God wouldn't let me sell my houses and wouldn't let me do real estate here. I mean, I said it so much, but the amazing thing is when I let it go because that's what He said. Yeah, and I told you He told me to open up in the pandemic, and I did, and it's been booming ever since. Right, I was doing a lot of residential deals, and then we had a church that we bought that I got the church to buy. We we got we kept one church from foreclosed. Mm-hmm. We we told them that they could get this much off of it, and we was gonna make this much. And so we ended up making a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in two years off yeah. the church. I mean profit, right? And God said I couldn't get paid, and I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I fussed about it for eight years. It's <laughs> <laughs> time to let it go. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> but the thing about it, the way He brought it back now, a hundredfold. Now I got commercial deals that right. just popped out of heaven. And so I was dealing with this one client, a young, a young person, and they people kept bringing these off market stuff mm-hmm. for her to see. And so I was going to show these houses. Now, when it's off market, a lot of agents, you don't get paid unless you charge your client. But really, buyers, they never you never charge a buyer, you know, when it's a listing. Right. If you're a buyer and you're going out there buying houses, you need to find an expert. I'm glad he used Maxwell Realty. Ha ha ha. So that, that you, you should always find a real estate broker or someone because you don't have to pay us anyway. Now, New York, California, and places like mm-hmm. that, you have to pay them. But when you do off-market things, sometimes the agent will charge the buyer and say, hey, you got to right. give me this. But I said, you know what? I want her to be okay. I want her to be cool. So I'm going to represent you. I said, don't even worry about it. Man, this same lady who I was representing trying to help her get established got upon this property I got a $3.1 million listing. Wow. Her. Wow. When I was willing to do stuff for free because this is what yep. God told me to do. Yep. But if I wasn't doing it for free, I never would have got this. Right. Then I ended up finding out some crooked stuff was going on and I ended up moving some people out the way because I, I could see it a mile away. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, her, her family, they're very appreciative and we're about to do, you know, some big things uh, with that particular property. Yeah. And it's like, it went from me Serving for free, because that's what God told me to do. Mm-hmm. To now, I mean, that's a that's a good. I think God's uh, He tests us in small beginnings to see how we respond. Um, somebody gets a promotion and then they can't afford to pay their tithes, or they won't give to charity, you know, charitable causes, those kind of things. And I think God sees where He can trust them. And so when God trusts us with little things and we can't produce, then why should He bless us? And that's why people, sometimes you just see people that are being blessed over and over and over again. And you're thinking, why does God keep blessing them? If you look at their contributions and you look at their level of giving, you see why God blesses them because he can trust them with it. But we feel like this is mine. I worked hard for it. But we have to realize God gives us health. God gives us strength. God gives us wisdom. God gives us knowledge. 
in all of my real estate, I just lit my 148th house. And I have never held a real estate license, never had a desire to, because that's not in my lane. You don't need one. Maxwell Realty. There you go. Maxwell Realty. There you go. That's, that's why I'm in town today for Maxwell Realty. Yeah. I, want, I want you to flip this house for me. And, and so I don't need that. But I've realized the importance of, you know, God giving me the knowledge and the wisdom of when to buy, when not to buy. And every deal hasn't been a good deal, but every deal has had a purpose. My worst business was my first one years ago. I uh, went belly up and we lost $120,000 in that business. But it was the best business I ever owned because it taught me how not to do business. So the seven since then have all been successful. So people will say, wow, if that one business hadn't failed, no, that was a good, that was a good cause. It really taught me some things, just like the pandemic. The pandemic taught us a lot of things. I think there was a lot of good that came out of it. It taught us who we could trust, who's faithful, who's not faithful, who's diligent, who's not diligent. You know, it taught us a new way of doing things. It, it brought wealth to a lot of people that was willing to, again, that mindset, change the mindset of how we do things. So everything that comes to us comes to us for a reason and a cause. And we shouldn't fight it. We should just say, okay, what's the cause in this? What's the purpose in this? And go with the flow. Look at this. See, this is the whole thing. I feel, I feel, I feel like I had this, 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 this Black Panther moment when, when Angela Bassett said, show them who you are, right? And so I need to tell y'all who he is. I'm going to set this next story up. He humble it. You don't think, look at the right camera, this camera, that camera. It don't matter. Look. So look, all right, this guy humble. All right, he done wrote, what, six books? 14. 14. I missed it. 14 books, has a doctor degree, has been, what, the vice president of a college, right? Are you the president? No, no. Dude, the vice president of a college, right, consults with passes all around, has had a 10,000 plus membership church that he walked away from, wasn't fired. God told him to give it away. He gave it away, walked away from it, and trains hundreds of pastors, right? Hundreds, thousands, right, around the world. Has learned and gleaned from Dr. Chan. Dr. Chan has been listed as one of the 20th most influential people in the world, right? Dr. Chan was one of my mentors as well when I was uh, working over at Newburgh, but he ain't like me like he like him. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> so he he be at his house and everything. So they, they chilling. Dr. Chan, if you talk to Dr. Chan for five minutes, he be like, all right, dude, that's your free name. Oh, wow, he hang up. No, I'm he don't do that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but at the end of the day, this man is a big time person, right? 148 houses flip. He really don't even need to use me, but he does, and I appreciate it. But at the end of the day, he is a national, internationally, came here from Israel one time, right? Went to Africa, preached so many different times there. He's been everywhere, right? So listen to this. Can you imagine, just imagine this. Just say, because some of y'all say, oh, I don't say TDJ. Say say Joe Osteen, <laughs> all right? So if you know Joe Osteen, he, he on that level, all right? T.D. Jakes, all that stuff. He might not do all the big conferences, but he's everywhere. They call him to teach at those conferences and help put those conferences together. Okay. Now, tell them the story. Now, you had to hear all that to see how big he is so you can hear <laughs> this right here. This story right here. Tell them about the guy when you were driving him around in, in Africa. You got to tell them this story. Yeah, it was uh, Dr. Chan called me. His daughter, granddaughter was getting married. He said, hey, I got a friend coming in from Durban, South Africa. Uh just want to see if you could pick him up, bring him to the wedding. I didn't know who the guy was. I said, sure. I went an hour out of the way, picked him up, drove him. We had conversation for an hour you there. You said it, so back. an hour out of the way. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, hour there, hour back, dropped him off. The next morning, he called to see if we could have coffee. 
And so I said, sure. So we sat down and we had coffee and he said, I think- about, See, hold on. I'm hearing him tell the story. He drove an hour down the aisle back, which means he drove an hour to go have coffee with a stranger. Go ahead. Uh, so when I get there, he says, I need you to come to Durban to do a conference. And of course, I didn't know what who the guy was. I just didn't know. I've never been to that part of Africa before. And so uh, we booked the conference and I was supposed to go with another very well-known uh, pastor. But at the last minute, he got sick and couldn't go. So I was there for two weeks and this pastor picked me up. He has a mega, mega, mega church in Durban. Uh, I did 33 services in 14 days. I had to do both of our schedules. Uh, it was not just church service. It was people who owned the container shipyards. It was people who owned banks. It was people who owned uh, malls. It was big, big people. Yeah. And the thing about it was because I was generous and gave him an hour drive, I was a chauffeur for, for an hour there, hour back. Now I'm finding myself in his presence and he is my driver for 14 days. Because I sacrificed an hour, he sacrificed two weeks and made all these global, literally global connections for me. So you never know who you're entertaining. You never know what is there in front of you. And there was nothing about that for me whatsoever. I did it for no purpose. I didn't know who the guy was. Right. Now we're amazing friends. We commute every single week. We talk to each other and we're helping each other here and there both. He's trying to transition to the States now. He's, he's, he's very well known and he's phenomenal in Durban, South Africa. Everybody in Durban knows him. And I was sitting there in awe when I got there because even when I got there, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And I was in awe at the connections that he brought to us. We were having banquets at the Hilton, at the Hyatt, at all these hotels. I mean, five-star events everywhere we went. They even had letters made that was uh, probably four feet tall everywhere I went that said hashtag five-star. They had everything custom-made for these events. And I was sitting there blown away by an hour's commute that it changed literally my life. He said, yes, didn't even know who he was driving around. Some of us like, I ain't driving this person around, but he was able to make that connection. 32 speaking engagements, that's 32 honorariums, all right? Then, when you say mega church here, we thinking 10, 15,000. Some of us only thinking 2,000. A mega church in Africa is like 50,000 people. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a small number of people. And he's doing 32 services in 14 days around the continent of Africa. Do you hear me? The favor that happens right. when you're willing to be humble enough to do things out of humility and not even knowing you're going to get anything. Right. I'm going around showing commercial properties for free just because I want to make sure that this young lady is protected. And now she got a daggone multi-million dollar listing that she giving to me. You understand? Because, and I didn't even think that was coming. I'm trying to help her walk through, but then God gave her a favor and boom, here it is. It's going to be, man, I'm going to talk to y'all about this, man. Cause I mean, I want to list it, but then you know what really got me? I preached Sunday mm -hmm. and Sunday I preached about how you need to hold on, how you need to, I did the marshmallow test. Mm -hmm. So the marshmallow test, when you, you're supposed to, the, the kids were given one marshmallow, said if you leave that marshmallow there and don't eat it, we'll give you two later. Mm -hmm. And some of the people failed the test. Right. Of course, but some people didn't. But look, this thing is, everybody know um, Steve Jobs, right? Some people know um, the Wozniak, what Steve Wozniak, because he, he invented the Apple One and the Apple Two. Steve Jobs right. is the most famous, but it's also a guy 
uh, uh, Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne was the man who wrote the handbook, right. the employee handbook, put together the partnership agreement yeah. and sketched the logo, right? He did the logo. 45% was jobs. 45% was Wozniak. He had the 10% so he could break a tie if they disagreed. <laughs> he put all this together because he was 20 years their senior. Yeah. In two weeks after the company started, he takes his shares of $800, which is equivalent to $3,500 a day, right? That 10% that he got rid of is worth $75 billion. Wow, wow. I was like, I know he got a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he did. I wish he was there. But better or for worse, worse. Uh, yeah. No, but seriously, so I really, when I look at it, I was telling this guy, I wanted him to, let's let's go in and, and tie this land a little bit because I don't want to just list it. Now, I know the Bible says it's much, uh, it's better for little with little toil than much than much with much toil. There's going to be a little bit of toil now, mm. more, but i rather, instead of me taking the instant gratification of the 10% and make four hundred, three $300,000 from the commission, I want to make sure I invest in it. Right. So I want to be the one coming back developing the land. Right. Because that's called holding back and leaving that one marshmallow there. Right, right. So you can make two marshmallows. Right. But in my case, I want to make multiple million marshmallows. <laughs> I'm going to be fat. <laughs> but a lot of marshmallows. Right, right. So it's like, but it's, it's you have to learn how to um, let go of that instant gratification. And when you can do that, then you can really do business. You can't start and have seven streams of income if you're not making sacrifices to make sure that you um, keep from uh, being materialistic yeah. and buying all the Gucci, like you said, and all right. that, when you have to invest your money back into your business. Well, the Bible says wealth comes slowly, and a lot of people don't. They, we want it instantly. We want it right now. That's why most people who win the lottery goes broke within the first six years because they don't know how to maintain wealth that fast. God gives us as we can control it. Now, if you would have been given that property seven to eight years ago, you may have said, yeah, let's just do it. Let's get the nest egg and forget it. But now you've grown into where you're at now. And so you don't mind waiting because you see the bigger fruit. But a lot of people don't understand that we have to grow into wealth. You know, you have to start, you have to know how to maintain that thousand before you can make 10,000. You have to learn how to make the 10,000 to get to the 100,000. But some people want to go from 1,000 to 20,000, 30,000. They don't, they have to grow into it. And so that's really important that we understand that that growth process so we know how to manage what we have. Man them get rich quick scheme. Yeah. I'm aware. I got people that have been trying to get rich quick for 40 <laughs> years. It's still broke. And still climbing those no, pyramids. Right. Because <laughs> they don't want to take the time. Hey man, come get your real estate license. I don't want to go take that class. It only takes six weeks. Yeah. Yep. Man, what you doing, man? I'm a real estate broker. I'm, 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 I'm still eating the fruit of the seeds I, I planted. Right. When I had just graduated from college, graduated right. from college, my first check, I took my first check, Mm -hmm. No, I didn't take my first check from. I took my my YMCA check and I went and I enrolled mm -hmm. in real estate school. So I had to cut some of my hours because I had to leave and go to the class all the yeah. way in Roswell, which like an hour driving where I was. Mm -hmm. But God told me what school to go to. Yeah, it's funny how God will lead you. So these other schools had these big old books, mm -hmm. and I grabbed the books and God said, "Don't go there." I took the books back, hey, man, <laughs> and I got my money back. And I went to this school called Barney Fletcher Real Estate uh -huh. School. Dude, it was filling the blanks. People were laughing at me. 
because they were like, oh, you going to flunk this? Is that all them books? Man, I knew I wasn't going to read them books. I don't read. Right. The <laughs> only book I read that big is the Bible. I ain't read no Harry Potter. I ain't read nothing. You hear me? I ain't read none of those mystery stories. I right. read the Bible. Anything else that thick, it's a wrap. So anyways, fast forward, I go to the class. I pass the class. Everybody was laughing at me. They went to the other. They ain't even passed the class. So I passed my class, got my license, mm-hmm. became a real estate agent. Then later on, became a real estate broker. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, God will order your steps when you right. pray and let him. Right. Everybody laughed at me, first of all, for taking my money and going to real estate school mm-hmm. instead of just buying something else. Right. And then they laughed at me because I went to the school with these little fill in the blank. But what they were doing, they were just teaching what was on the test. They were right. like, what else? Right. Who cares? Once you pass the test, then you go out here and you make your money. So what I'm telling you is this. God will order your steps in his word. If you pray and ask him to guide you and lead you, I promise you, he will not lead you wrong. We are blessed, not because we just are highly favored, but because we pray. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, mm-hmm. but take everything to God right. through supplication and prayer. Pray about it. Let God lead you. Because if you don't pray about it, I promise you, your bid is not going to be about it. Amen. Man, what time is it? Mr. Brother Cameraman, hold up. I want to go on. Oh, we got a little time. But, okay, sorry. Brother, you had to edit that. <laughs> but, no, seriously, though, seven streams of income. So, how, what do you tell that person out there mm-hmm. that, that want to get the seven streams of income? What do you tell them? So, so, first, they have to expand their horizon. They have to expand their mindset. And they have to start where they're at. They start typically with one job, and then you got to find things that become natural to you. What is your niche? Um, there's a lot of things, uh, even in real estate, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things in real estate, but I stay in my lane of doing one thing. I just find houses that I can know can be quick flips, and I do that. Um, now, I'm into something new. I'm actually living in my flips now. I live in those for, and then I flip them while I'm living in them. So I have found a niche in. Don't kill it, Miss Bowen. Let my dude live. <laughs> hey, she actually came home the other day. And she said, "Hey, I found our next house." I was what? like, "What? This dude yeah, got yeah. game." So, 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 so now she's even getting involved. She's seeing because we're wanting about two or three more years of doing this, and then we want to get out of it. Well, we've always stayed in that vein of what we do and what we do well. Um, and I think that's the important factor. I think that so many times we get out of the vein of what we do. And then we, we get frustrated or we get aggravated. I've always, my dream job would be having a show on flipping houses because I just love doing that. It's my vein. It's what I do and it's what I do well. So I think it's important for us to understand in order to get wealth, it has to be something that we enjoy and it needs to be something that doesn't feel like work that you would do if, if you never got paid a dime. What would that thing be? I would go in and remodel. I like making changes to, to areas, to houses, to properties. I like going in where there's a piece of land that there's nothing there and it's dormant and put a house on it and say, I made a difference to that piece of land. So that's my ambition. That's my, my vein. And so you, when you find that vein, it can be in hairstyling. It can be in entrepreneurship in different areas. It can be in stores. It can be in products, but you have to find what you, you do well and what you do would do without making money. That's where your ambition's going to come from. That's where your heart's going to come from. And that's where your wealth's going to come from. Wow. Your treasure where your heart is. So many times we chase the money, but you need to chase your heart. Because you chase your heart, the money going to chase you anyway. Right. And so, you know, Mr. Cameraman back here, very gifted cameraman. So whenever you buy houses here, we'll make sure we go film you because 
We can make a show. We on the word network. We got to pass it. We on the word network. So we definitely got a real estate show right here. And so we film different things as well. In fact, they gave me this award, this lifetime real estate visionary award for the, for the work I've been doing in the community um, for real estate, you know. Um, but it's been good. Like my team with uh, Miss Ayana, Miss Tawana, um, um, Minister Ann, she, she, she helps out as well. So we, we, we have a great team of people. Um, Miss Cindy, um, that go out and we, we, we work as a team to make sure we get these particular houses. And I, me, I like renting them Mm -hmm. in the beginning. Then I always find like an investor sometimes. Now this dude here gangster, man. So I told him, I said, man, I had this house, right? He probably still mad at anybody, right? So I said, man, I got this house. I'm thinking about selling, but I know these people, I know they kind of want to buy this house. Man, we ain't even close. We ain't signed it. This joker already got a dose about it. I said, man, hold on. I told you. He's <laughs> ready to go. He ready to go, man. I was like, dude, I ain't never seen no. I said, oh, yeah. He from the ATL. No shade on Newport News, but y'all just don't move like we move. You know what I'm saying? New York back there, too. It's funny how they be like, let's move fast. And they be like, five weeks later, you like, dude. Time man, is money. Time man, is money. Let's go. It is, man. <laughs> Dude, we ain't done nothing. He out there, man, scanning me. Man, somebody out here in the yard. <laughs> it's like he's a the boy. He done blew out here. About the 20 people out there. <laughs> that was funny. What's your passion? Now, that's passion. So I love working with investors like him because it's, it's never a dull moment. So we got a house. Just like you said, you like renting. I hate renting houses. So that's not my thing. That's your forte and that's your lane. My lane is n- I, I don't like renters. If I do rental, I do. Uh, and I don't do a lot of those, but I do Airbnbs. Yeah. Um, but I don't do rentals. Yeah. Uh, I, I did that for about six years of my life. Yeah. When the market went down to 2008, I didn't like it then. And I know I wouldn't like it now. I just like all that money. Other people man. like it. Yeah. Like, like $7,000 a year, just chilling. I was like, go to sleep. That's another stream of income. Right. But what I do is when I have different investors, especially those who don't have experience, a lot of time I end up selling it to them with a little, with some equity in it mm-hmm. so that when they come in, they'll have a win and they'll build a confidence. Right. So I, especially with, you know, for my church members, you know, right. because when they want to get into it and I teach them how to make the money, then we just want to make sure, Hey, let me give you a win. Right. I'm going to make some money cause I made so much off the rent anyway. Mm-hmm. So even if I don't make as much on the sale, it doesn't even bother me because I made the residual income wrote off a lot of it because of depreciation. Right. And then when I sell it, I ain't making that much money in their eyes, but right. I've escaped it because of all the write-offs I had with, with, with my right. rent. Of course, you can do the 1031 tax exchange when you flip and then take that money and put it in into another property. So it's it's so many different ways. I just don't like Uncle Sam yeah. touching my money. You know, a lot of people tell me that, uh, and people will say, well, if, if you flip houses, then don't you have to pay that 27, 32%? And my answer to that is yes. But if I went out and got another job, let's say I went to work for the Wawa, what makes me think I can work for the Wawa and not pay taxes? I'm still going to pay taxes. So it's the exact same thing. So if I make $50,000 on the house, so like, but now you got to give part of that to the, to the, the government. Well, if I was working a job, I'd have to give it to the Are government. Are you doing 1031 taxes, Shane? No. I give Caesar what's his. Time out. No, don't. Caesar ain't even. <laughs> Look, I didn't vote for Trump, but I have Trump flipping <laughs> skill sets when it comes to escaping taxes legally. You understand? No. You got to do 1031 so taxes. So gonna I'm going to show you how to do that. that. Yeah. yeah, because see, what you do is if you buy a property for $50,000 mm-hmm. and you sell it and you make your $30,000, mm-hmm. so you make $30,000 profit, 
you know, they trying to tax you 30% because you flipped it before 365 days. Right. Right. So when they tax you on that 30,000, that's like $9,000. The reason right. why I rent is because I want to pay half that and I wait till it's 360 days and I sell it and I get 15%. Or you can take that money mm -hmm. and put it into another house. So when you take that $30,000 mm -hmm. and you buy another house the same price or more, then you don't pay Uncle Sam because you use that money to put into another property. Okay. Right? And so when you put that money, any whatever amount of money you put in there, if you take the 30000 put the whole 30000 out, you ain't taxed on none of that mm. because you put it into another house. You understand? You fixed it up. You did whatever. You got to teach me that. Right. That, so when I sell home. these, when I sell all my houses, because right now I'm going to sell my house because I want to get this $1.5 million. So I'm liquidating my houses. But I'm not going to pay any of that money because I'm going to put all that money into that into that venture. So Uncle Sam I'm not going to even tax me. Right. And then when I do the commercial, because of the different write-offs and, and tax credits I'm getting, I'm not going to even be taxed on the money I'm making right. on the hotel because it's in the opportunity zone, so I'm going to be escape taxes. So I, yeah. believe me, I don't. I didn't vote for Trump, but I do like the way he write off his taxes. <laughs> so I know that game too. So I will show you how to escape taxes. My man right here, he going to pay Caesar with Caesars, but he ain't going to get him 30% no more. No, <laughs> no, he don't have to have. No, no, no. We're going we gonna to show you how to write that stuff off. So you just got to find uh -huh. a closed attorney to know how to do it, and then they do all the paperwork. And then you get up. Mm. You don't have to do it right away. You get up to a year. Mm. You get up to a year um, to to take that money and put it towards the house. So you don't have to take that money and go right now and rut. Mm -hmm. So if you close the house this May, whatever it is, as long as you come back, made the day before and mm -hmm. put that money into another house, you won't get taxed on it. Mm. But you now once you stop, it's gonna catch up with you. Right. But as long as you have put it ain't like gonna be you gonna have so much taxes piled up because each time you put the money in, you escape it. Okay. Yeah, man, nah, man. I know all the games, man. The A the A <laughs> so it's all about connections. It's yeah. about connections. Yeah. I need to know what you need to know, yep. what you know, so I can learn it yes. for you to grow. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we, we don't want to get we don't want to get Caesar out of that money, man. <laughs> <laughs> look, you know how Jesus when they got the money out of the fish, right? Well, right. look, your fish, your 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 ten thirty one this thing. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, he's like, man, paying no taxes. Give me, give me that money. He got went to the fish and got it right. So he, you know, I know he paid it, but he got the money out of the fish mouth. So the fish mouth, and this is a ten thirty one tax exchange, and we we're gonna escape those taxes at least for some years until you get to the point like, man, I ain't buying another house. Yeah. Then you have to pay a portion of whatever it is once you do it. You know, you just got to have a good lawyer or a good, um, what you call it, CPA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I learned something. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to save that money, man. We ain't going to let my dude <laughs> give away this money. He helped me too much with church, so I got to make sure you pay. Yeah, because, you know, all the time we can't pay you what you worth here, but we're going to make your money. There you go. Make your <laughs> money through real estate. But anyway, I know you got to get ready to preach. So let, leave us with, with a word of wisdom. It don't even have to be about what we talked about. Just what you want somebody to hear and take yeah. away. I think the most important thing in life is to, is to die empty, that we really fulfill every purpose that's in our life and find that destiny. Only 5% of the people in America today are living their dream. Uh, out of that 95% that's not living their dream, 87% have stopped dreaming altogether. And so I really encourage people to find that purpose in your life and to dream again, to really, really dream because life is short. Um, I was with my family this past weekend and I'm watching my kids and now my grandkids. And I thought just yesterday, it seemed like I was the father and those were my kids and now I'm the grandfather. As time goes by fast. So I really encourage you wherever you're at financially, 
to really start investing and really find those seven streams of income so that you can live your life on purpose and really reach your destiny. I heard Kim Brown say this uh, last time I was in this area. He said, I'm going to die so empty that it's only going to take two pallbearers to carry me out. And that's what we need. We need to empty ourselves out so that everything when we die, we have no dreams or ambitions left because we fulfilled our purpose. I know what you mean metaphorically, Bishop, but I'm gonna rebuke what you say. I don't want you dying skinny and frail. So I know what you're saying, <laughs> but I ain't gonna let the devil get them words and hold it again. No dreams, because the yeah. richest and the roughest place in the world right now is the cemetery. Yeah, yeah. Because people died yeah. with books inside yeah. of them and business ideas yeah. inside of them. And it only takes one good idea yeah. and it's in your destiny. That's it, man. So look, my I believe my purpose is to make, I can't stand when I'm driving, I see somebody walking. Yeah. I can't stand when I see people broke, busted, yeah. and disgusted. I can't stand it. So one of my, I know one of my main purposes is teach people how to curate wealth. Right. That's why I tell them about the 1031 tax thing. That's why I want to help you make money with real estate. So look, even if you've never done real estate before, I'm patient. I used to teach special ed. So if you're special in that area, I got you. I write a special ed IEP up for real estate just for you. But seriously, I will teach you individually because I want you to be blessed. I want you to make it. So listen up. I know that you have a dream inside of you and I know you need it funded. I know you need to fund it, but you need to figure out a different stream of income. One of the streams of income, I believe the greatest stream of income to me is real estate. Like my investing people were growing my money backwards. Yeah. Like, man, hold on, yeah. man. So I started, they were like, you shouldn't keep this much money in your account. So that's when I started just buying all these houses cash. I didn't want to keep them in the bank. They keep talking about the, all this currency. So let me just go buy these houses. So all my money in my house. Yeah. But now I'm going to either refinance some of it and pull the money out so I can do this great commercial deal. But the thing about it is the wealth is there. I just hid them in the houses and the houses began to appreciate and make more money. Yeah. So look, if whatever you have is not appreciating and making money, that's not what you should be spending most of your money on. Your car is going to depreciate. Your clothes are going to depreciate. Your Fender, your Gucci bag is going to depreciate. Your house, 99.9% of the time, is going to appreciate in value and it's going to curate wealth for you. Yeah. So when you buy it today for 80, 90, 100,000, it's going to be worth 150, $200,000 later. The first house I bought, I bought for 95,000. Yeah. I did a credit line. Bought my Lexus. Mm -hmm. Instead of having a seven hundred and some dollar a month note, I had a two hundred and some dollar note right. because my HELOC gave me fifteen years. Plus, I could write the interest off because of the house loan. Right. Then I came back later and sold the house and made another fifty thousand. I made a hundred thousand dollars right. on a house that I bought for ninety five thousand yep. dollars. So, what the best way to curate wealth is real estate. The only organization that makes more money than real estate is the government and they can make money like literally print money so if you really want to be a millionaire you gotta do real estate the bible says that he only cattle on a thousand hills i tell god i ain't worried about the cattle give me the hill there you go because you got to pay me to put your cattle on it all right another addition to bring the smoke dr boy about to go down here and preach and tear it down you know we call it macadamia nut white chocolate you know what i'm saying <laughs> Cause he gonna fill it for y'all. So black people, you want us a diverse preacher without scaring your Negroes, bring this dude right here to your church. And I promise you, he gonna turn it out and you can say, I had a diverse moment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, y'all, deuces. Hey everybody, how you doing? In Touch Basketball is back. We did it big last year again. 
and we did it for the first time in a few years since the pandemic, we coming back again. And you know what? The sheriff's department and the police department gonna go head to head again. The community gonna go head to head again. I think the fire department gonna play as well. So we're gonna make sure the first responders bring back the original in touch where they played each other. August the 4th, August the 4th is going down at the Denby Community Center. If you all can ball, please get you some players together. Anybody in the community, you can be in Newport News, you can be from Hampton, we don't care where you from. It's a Newport News event, but it's to bring the whole Hampton Roads community together to make sure we do what? Partner and build bridges with the police. We wanna make sure the police know us, we know the police, and that we help them solve crimes to keep our neighborhood safe. We wanna make sure we curate some great positive interactions, and that's what we do with Inters Basketball. But at the end of the day, Somebody gonna win, somebody gonna lose. Are you a baller? If you're a baller, come on out. If you're not, come on out. Cause you know what? It's all about fun. Although I'm a sore loser. So newbies grow, get that team together. Cause we better win. Hey everybody, how you doing? This book is a book I believe everyone should buy. Not just because I wrote it, but because this book was birthed out of pain. And you learn so much during those painful moments. This is called Leadership Growth, The Power and the Pain. You can't have the power unless you've been through the pain. Bishop Morton wrote the foreword. It's been endorsed as well by our former governor, uh, Terry McAuliffe, and by our Newport News Sheriff, Sheriff Gabriel Morgan. I promise you this book will bless you. Please get it, not just for me, but to bless you. Go to willamaxwell.org or click on the links below and I promise you this book will bless you. If you don't just buy it for yourself, buy it for someone else. It's a short read, but it's a powerful read. I've been getting testimonies all across the country and I promise you it will bless your life.